everybody. This is Maria Pesson, founder of For Women Over 50, a website and Facebook group that helps women live their best lives after 50. Yes, you can have your best life after 50. It doesn't have to be a downward spiral. And that's what we talk about in our podcast, on our website, and in our Facebook group. So I want to join you in welcoming Jennifer Mallory. She is a rare breed of leader trusted by clients and competitors alike. A forward thinker, she built her career on her ability to skate where the puck is going, honing her skills at powerhouse companies like ABC and Keller Williams. She's also a certified human potential coach and certified, excuse me, certified mental fitness coach. So she combines techniques of traditional productivity, coaching with the latest discoveries in human potential research to help entrepreneurs create profitable businesses aligned with core values. So Jennifer, I'm excited that you're here. I love your energy. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you are doing? I would love to, and I am so happy to be here, Maria. I have been looking forward to this conversation. So you, thank you for reading that uh, introduction. And so what it means is that I, uh, what it means to be a forward thinker is, you know, that, that, that part about uh, skating where the puck is going, is that I've always been a person who looks to the future and is unafraid to be pioneering in what it is that I see. And so when I started my company, I realized that um, business, particularly business for women, is kind of headed in a, in a different direction, which has proven to me <laughs> with the state of the world that we're in right now and all of the changes that are, that are coming, um, going on. Um, and one of the things that I realized is that women haven't really had the opportunity to show up as their unique selves in a way that um, in a way that is uh, draws on the power of who we actually are, and I see more and more that we need to step into a world where everybody is recognized for what it is that they bring to the table. And traditionally, as women, I don't think we've been allowed to shine in the way that um, we really could. So the techniques that I use with human potential are related a lot to the discoveries of what actually happens to our bodies when we age and how it is that we can really build our lives around um, accepting what's happening with us and managing it rather than just saying, oh, that's what happens when you get old. So what made you get into this field? Uh, probably <laughs> the fact that I myself um, am getting older. Um, but it's also when I was it at... To everybody, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It happened to me, but it did. It does. It happens to everybody. And when you're yeah. young, you think it'll never happen to you. And then you're there and you think, wow, when did that happen? Well, this is true. And I think we also tend to then fall back on things that we've heard people say, oh, just wait until you're, you're 50 now, wait until you're 60. You're going to start falling apart even more. 
right? I, mean, I used to hear that all the time. <laughs> oh, you look okay now, but just wait. Or, you know, you think, you think your hip hurts now? 10 years from now, it's going to be even worse. Um, and that does not have to be the story that we live into. No, it doesn't. I mean, I'm a perfect example. I had a, I couldn't barely walk at the age of 57. Arthritis in my knee was so bad that it had gotten terrible that I used to have to plan if I would walk someplace, if it was could only be a half a block. I could literally, it was just too painful. And I got knee surgery and now I walk all the time, so. And I think that's fantastic because one of the things that we're particularly good at in this country, even though our healthcare system is a mess, is that we are really good with those mechanical things, fixing mm -hmm. hips, fixing um, knees, um, you know, uh, fixing hearts after um, heart attacks. We're particularly good at that, although I don't think we're so great at managing health overall. Mm -hmm. That's probably true. Yeah. And then, so now what are you able to do now that your knee is working for you? Well, I could walk a couple of miles before I literally couldn't go more than half a block and I had to sit down and wait until I recovered. It was just that painful. So I could do pretty much anything I could do before. The only thing I don't do is I don't run anymore because I think that's part of why my knee gave out because I used to run all the time. Yeah, so yeah. I walk. So I'll swim. And so that's one of the things that I think is really key in handling yourself. I don't even like to say managing. I really would just like to say, how, how is it that you want to handle yourself going forward? So uh, I can't run anymore either. And I used to run a lot um, and I got really um, bad plantar fasciitis in my feet that was extremely painful. Um, so I don't run anymore, but I started to, I realized that the reason I ran was for the results of running, right? I, I loved running, but I loved it because what it brought into my life. And so now what I do is hit training, which is high intensity interval training that gives me the same benefit of running, but it's not, it's not hard on my body in the way that running was. Yeah. It's amazing when you live in the city, you know, and you're running on concrete, just really bad for your knees and you don't realize, but over time you really yeah. do damage. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Then, then you replace it with something else that's going to get you the benefit that you're looking for. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I love that. And I also think that um, it has a lot to do with the, the the way we eat so i'm i'm very big in what it is that i need to do to manage myself and my biology in order to make sure that i'm showing up um with the most amount of energy to to really do what i want to do with my life and that's one of the things i work on with my clients too and so one of the things i found is there's um, six foundational um, elements that you need to to watch over and as you age you need to manage those and sort of change what habitually has worked for you um, and so those things are uh, nutrition exercise sleep um, this idea of uh, of awareness uh, or attention, what you're paying attention to. So some people will call it mindset. I think it's a little different than mindset. Um, but then also the relationships that you have with 
other people and how it is that you fit into the world that you live in. And from my perspective, managing those six foundational elements will give you a base where you can do whatever you want with your life as you age. And this can be the best time of our lives. Uh, yeah, I benefits to aging that we don't concentrate on because we're so busy concentrating on the physicalness of being older. Yes. And I also think that ties into uh, the, the kind of obsession we have in this country about youth and how people, both men and women, get aged out in their 60s, that there's a tendency within um, corporations um, to look at an older employee and not see the the value that they bring. And um, that's one of the things that I'm hearing um, from some older clients is that even though there's a lot of jobs open, there's this ageism that nobody's really talking about. And um, it's so prevalent. And it's like the last kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Bias that yeah. people seem to think is okay. Yes. And yeah. I think, yes. Yeah. And I think it's like people don't even notice it really because it's just kind of part of, it's one of those, those um, unconscious biases that we've always been taught that when people get old, they go and they sit in a, in a chair and the world passes them by. That's exactly right. You know, when I was um, 57, I started my new journey at 57. I had lost my job and I knew that I wouldn't get another one so easily because I was getting close to 60 and I was in the fashion industry. Talk about, you know, <laughs> focus. It was definitely a focus and the people weren't hiring people my age. Didn't matter how good I was at what I did. Yeah. None of that mattered. None of the experience. They just looked at me. In fact, I even went on an interview with someone who was my age and said to me that she was looking for a younger person for the job. She actually said that, and then she backpedaled and said, but I'm not ageist. I'm um, thinking, yeah, that, sure, you're not ageist. Wow. Yeah, no, tell me, wow. So at 57, I decided to start my own business because I knew that I could have much more control over what kind of clients I worked with, what I did, and have the freedom of having my own business. And I'll tell you, I started consulting, and the very people who wouldn't hire someone who was older appreciated working with someone who was older as a consultant and loved all the experience. So it was really eye-opening. That, that is so interesting. And then, so for you, where does that leave you? Are you glad not to be working? Or? Well, I do work. I work as a business oh. well, Yes, no, but I, I meant, I didn't finish my sentence. I, I, it did not be working to be working for yourself and working for clients rather than to be working for a company. Oh, I much prefer it. Yeah. I much prefer it. And I get to do top line work instead of, you know, the day-to-day -day details, which is not as much fun for me as doing visionary work like you. Yes, exactly. And I didn't realize how happy I would be working for myself. Yeah. So it's a whole different way of being. It is a whole different way of being. And 
one of the things I think is really great about it is making connections with other entrepreneurs like you. And there's so many women out there who I think, especially in the time of pandemic, decided, you know what, I really want something better and different for myself. And I have met so many fantastic women in the past two years who are doing really interesting things that are outside of what I ever thought possible when I was working for a more traditional company. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, first of all, women have to think outside the box because so many of us, um, not myself, because I worked throughout my kids' childhood, um, but a lot of them are stay-at-home moms and are just getting back into the workforce and they have all this accumulated knowledge that would be an asset to a company, but people don't look at it that way. They see someone that hasn't worked in 20 years and they're not willing to hire them. So we're forced to start our own businesses because in some ways that's the only thing available. Yes. And I think it draws on, um, you know, the name of my company is Ingenious Coaching and Consulting and Ingenious means creative, resourceful and original. And that is the definition of, of, of a mom who's been at home and is coming back into the workforce because who is more resourceful than a mom who's got to juggle everything? Oh, absolutely. And be on the PTA and, you know, coach teams and all that stuff. They're very organized and they are, they have the capacity to do so much more work than just a regular person's been working all the time. They, they're never ending. I mean, you're just wow. Yeah. And I also think that when you're doing those sorts of, um, you know, volunteering, the PTA and the coaching, you develop a different skill set for working with people. And, you know, the number one reason that CEOs get fired from companies is not their intelligence. It's not their um, not hitting the goals, it's their lack of people skills, which I thought was That's really exactly. interesting. Yeah, yep. I did not know that. Yes. So that came up from Harvard Business Review a couple of years ago, and I saw it in a study about um, emotional intelligence. And I think that what is appropriate in the workplace has been very um narrowly defined. And I think that women in our resourcefulness and just being able to juggle all these things and manage all these different kinds of relationships are conditioned to be particularly good at dealing with people. Not every woman, but in general, I think that that's more so the case. You have to get along. You have to kind of rule by consensus. Right, to get stuff done. Like how do you get stuff done? Right. And you have to co-opt so many people, different personalities and such. So I agree with you. I think that um, women do develop a really great ability by being stay-at-home moms. Yeah. And that whole consensus thing is, you know, I think that all of us are better are better than one of us in terms of being able to come up with innovative solutions to problems because we think really differently and we have different experiences to bring to the table. And I, you know, I love collaborating with, that's one of the things I have to say that I, that probably the only thing that I miss about working inside of a company is the uh, daily collaboration with people. Yeah. Yours is probably a little uh, different um, because well, I, you're- I'm on the phone and on Zooms a lot. So yeah, yeah. interact with people, but you have your clients, so you get to interact with them. I do, I interact with them. 
And it's a little bit different than having a project that I'm working on as part of a team. Do you know what I mean? Because I do enjoy that as well, even though, um, you know, I just, I I love what I'm doing now and I can't ever imagine not doing it. (laughs) Well, one day you could start your own project. Maybe you'll start a fashion business I can consult with you. Yeah, there you go. Except for I'm the least fashionable person I think that you probably met. I at your picture and you look pretty fashionable in this picture so i'm not sure oh thank you that's my uh susan stava who is my photographer did a magnificent job (laughs) (laughs) you don't really look like this (laughs) well do do any of us look like our headshots or not Uh, i i i still do have long hair um yes (laughs) yeah yes so hopefully you'd recognize me if if we met on the street yes Uh, hopefully i would (laughs) yeah yeah but i think pictures are a a moment frozen in time and i think what makes people look like themselves is the way their face moves more than the way that their physical features look you know it's funny but um it has nothing to do with what we're talking about but i'm on match.com i decided to go on it about a month ago and so many people send pictures of themselves 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and they say it's 10 years old or 15 years old. And I think, well, why would you do that? You know, why would you send a picture that's not indicative of who you are? I want my picture to show me who show people who I am so that when they meet me, they're not disappointed. Oh, well, I'm sure they wouldn't be disappointed, but I understand what you're saying about, about the expectation. And by the way, I met my husband on Match.com, so uh, I did, and um, I was the first woman that he reached out to, and it took us two years to actually get together. But um, that's so funny. I know. Um, Married now. uh, Six years. Congratulations. Thank you. And so I'm saying that I met really great people on Match, but I was very particular about the people that I spoke with. Um, but I have to say that I had great experiences. I met really interesting people. Um, but are you asking how old you are? I am 56. So even people our age can find love on Match.com. My best friend found her love of her life on Match.com. Yeah. 60. And I think it's all about just being, I was very honest in the profile that I wrote. And I was very honest about where I was in my life and what I was looking for. And I was very honest in my conversations with people, um, you know, with the different with different men that I spoke with. And, um, you know, most of the most of the the dates that I went on were great, except for the one guy who took my hands at dinner and started kissing my hand and talked about how I, you know, what we were going to be doing together and what he was going to do. And I thought, oh, no, this is a little (laughs) this is not for me. Yeah. I had a creepy guy who wanted to meet with me, but he said he liked my nails and he wanted me to please come with very long nails. Oh, okay. That was pretty creepy. So I didn't answer him and didn't um, meet up with him. Yeah, I don't blame you. a creepy guy or two, but we're getting off topic. I know, but but I think it's part of it, right? Because it's about having relationships with people. And how is it that we do that, especially in this world that we've been really disconnected for about two and a half years and and that we've got this um 
the system that feels like it's trying to pull us apart. It it feels like it's trying to polarize us and make us fight with each other and make us uh, not trust each other. And so I think it's kind of, it is relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. From that point of view, that's very true. Yeah. How do you, what if it's one thing that you can tell our audience that could help them on their journey going forward? Um, that though the things that you pay attention to are the things that your life turns into. And if there's an area of your life that you are not happy with, pay attention to what you're paying attention to because that's why it's not meeting the expectation that you have. You know, I've heard this um, said in a different way. It's like when you're driving, you look where you're going to go to rather than the ground Mm -hmm. that you're on. So that when you're pointed in whatever direction you're pointed in, you automatically go. Yeah. So you brought up a great great point of, um, you know, being on Match.com and really looking to connect with people. If on match.com, all you did was say, I can only find, I can't find anybody. All these men do this. They, they, they're not good. I don't like them. Then you, that's what you get because you're really focused on that instead of just saying, oh, here's one that doesn't, you know, doesn't seem like it's going to work. And then focusing on the ones that, that could work. Right. If that makes sense. So, yeah. Also your mindset and your attitude. Yeah. Believe something can happen and something good can come out of it, then it does. If you don't believe it, then it doesn't. That's a hundred percent true. And I used to hear that and see it on memes and be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's absolutely right. But when you really understand that you cannot see something that you don't believe, you literally will not be able to see something that you don't believe in. So, so if you think you can't, you can't. A hundred percent. Because your because yeah, because your behaviors will mimic what you believe. So if you believe you can't, you're not even gonna try because why waste the energy on that when you can't do it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really good lesson. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah. So you're um, you basically what we call personality is a set of habits that we've established over time, and we show up in a particular way habitually that we're not even paying attention to, and it's those behaviors that people say are our personality. So the personality that we have is really reflective of our beliefs because our beliefs are what make us behave in a particular way that then create our habits. So if there's, you know, as I said, if there's anything that is not going well for you in your life, pay attention to what that is because most definitely you have created a habit around getting what you don't want in your life as opposed to getting what you do want in your life. I agree. I think habits are the basis for how we grow and how we accomplish our goals. 
Oh, 100%. And, you know, there's this whole thing about willpower and grinding through. And that's actually how I was taught. You know, if you want to hit a goal, then you just grind through it. I agree. Um, but, well. Yeah. But willpower is been has been shown to be um, uh, uh, it's a diminish. It diminishes over time and you cannot keep up willpower. So if you are using your willpower to gut your way through, eventually you're just going to run out of gas. It is so much better to set up a habit and a routine that you just follow without having to push through it. And you will end up achieving way more by um, establishing great habits rather than trying to push your way through something with willpower. It's like a morning routine. I really think that if you have a good, solid morning routine, it sets you up for success for the rest of the day. I, I, I totally agree with you. And I have been working to perfect my routine for years. Um, and what I realized is that your routine it needs to be the routine that gives you energy, regardless of what anybody else in the world says that that routine needs to look like. Right. It has to be personal for sure. Yes. So this okay. whole thing about getting up at five in the morning and, you know, attacking yeah. the day. If you're not a five o'clock in the morning person, don't do it because you it, it's not going to get you where you want to go. And you'll be frustrated. Yes. And who wants that? I'm trying to find out a happy medium between getting up at five in the morning, and getting up at 11. <laughs> Today I got up at 11. I slept so poorly last night. I just let myself sleep in. Well, but you know something, so, that's one of those things that I think as we get older, sleep can be, it, it can, sleep patterns change as we get older and we, we do need to manage them because if you don't get the, enough sleep, you're not going to have the energy to take on the rest of your day. So you may have done yourself a great service by doing that so that you have um, the, the energy to get what you need done during the rest of the day. Absolutely. I agree. But yeah. when I get up earlier at eight o'clock or seven o'clock, I find that I, I have a much better routine in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Accomplished. So because I do my routine, whereas today at 11 o'clock, I went straight into my office and started working. Yeah. And didn't do my routine and I miss it when I don't. Yeah. And that's the balance. I find if I don't do my morning routine, I feel sort of off the rest of the day, sort of like something's not quite right. Absolutely. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So I've learned to do like a little mini routine. And there's certain things that I will always do regardless if I can do the full routine. So I take little bits of it and say, okay, well, I can't do the full routine, but I'm sure going to make sure that I take my, I have my cold shower in the morning. I'm going to make sure that I have my coffee. You know, there's just certain things right. um, that I'll do. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit more um, about yourself. I'm going to ask you a question that I ask all my um interviewees mm -hmm. is what would you say are the three superpowers you developed since you've turned 50 um i think it is uh to be a, a better listener to understand how you really listen to what people are saying and not just hearing the words that are coming at you um and thinking about what you're going to say back. Exactly. Um, 
asking questions is the second superpower that I have developed. And I spent a lot of time, and I still do, perfecting asking questions so that I can really understand the other person. And um, the third thing is really to live in a space where I can learn beyond what it is that I believe. So what that means for me is always being curious and open to the understanding that the way that I see the world is not the truth, it is my truth. And if I want to connect with other people, I need to be open enough to accept that maybe something I believe is not true. Right. That's really great. I like those superpowers. And um, I think that's a, one of the things we develop as we get older is that we're open to other ideas. When I was a kid and a young adult, I was so sure everything I knew was right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I was positive. You know, I remember arguing with someone that Baja California was part of the United States. And I kept uh -huh. saying it's part of the United States. And they said no. And I insisted. And, um, and I was wrong. But that's how much belief we have in ourselves that we think everything we think is the correct thing. And then uh -huh. as we get older, we realize that our preconceptions aren't always so accurate and we tend to become more open to other ideas. At least most of us do. I think from my perception of what I see going on in the world, I think it's people who connect on the level where we're connecting right now who do. And unfortunately, I think there are also, pe also people who don't get that wisdom. Yes, I suppose that's true. There's always people who don't get it. Yeah. Um, yes, but um, you know, I one of I just love connecting with people who do get it and do understand because there's such richness um, in that and uh, the ability to just say, "Wow, I got that wrong." It's very humbling, but it can open up doors to something that you, if you hadn't taken that position and put yourself in that vulnerable place, that you would never know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Jennifer, this has been a really great um, conversation and interview. I've enjoyed it immensely. And I'm sure that our listeners would be interested in finding out more about you. How would they find out about you? Um, I have a website. It is uh, theingeniouscoach.com. And um, on that website, it has uh, more about me and the programs that I run and what I offer as a coach. Um, and people could also email me at jen at theingeniouscoach.com. I, I love connecting with, with people with, well, and women in particular. I'm so glad. And we'll also put it into our show notes so that people will be able to click on and go straight to your site. So um, thank you so much for such an interesting interview. I find your work fascinating. And I hope our listeners do too and reach out to you. And thank you everyone for joining us on this podcast. Go to our website and become a member of our group and get our 
blogs and our podcast in the future. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.